you're listening to What She Said, a podcast about blogging, creativity and life online hosted by me, Lucy Lucraft, a freelance journalist and blogger based in Brighton. Hi Vicky, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hi Lucy, good thank you. Um, we've just done the fake hello, which I always do, which is always really weird, <laughs> as if we haven't already been talking. <laughs> Um, for anybody that doesn't know who you are, do you want to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of detail on your blog and journey so far? Okay. Hello, I'm Vicky. I have a travel blog at vickyflipfloptravels.com, which I've been doing for around seven years now. And it's about travel in many different forms. And I focus on festivals around the world as well. When did you... Did you always, because you've always been a travel and festival blogger, haven't you? Or, well, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, I think I have always been one, but I, it took a few years to identify as well. <laughs> when did you come out? <laughs> yeah, I, wrote about, I wrote about festivals quite a long time and then I realised that it was uh, quite a strong theme in my blog and not many other people were doing that. So then I decided to come out and talk about how I talked about festivals a bit more and make it a bit of a niche for me yeah that would you say that that is kind of one of the pillars of your success that you that you were doing something writing about something that nobody else was in what is a very saturated market yeah I think I think so definitely so when I talk to brands or talk to anyone they're always interested about festivals and a lot of people have even if it's just one or two festivals they're quite passionate about a festival and um, destinations like to talk about their festivals and I think individuals like to talk about their fun festival experiences or they like to like kind of challenge me really whether I've been to this festival they know (laughs) so it's a good uh, topic of conversation for people I think it's a good icebreaker yeah and actually you know what from a brand collaboration point of view that probably means that, that you can do some really you could end up doing some really mad like sheepy (laughs) <laughs> collaborations if you wanted to or like potties and stuff as well as all the glamour oh, stuff oh right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have been sent a lot of uh, yeah the sheepy shewee things over the years um, they're okay I've used them before they're alright <laughs> I've never used one I've always been alright with just squatting yeah it's a bit easier and less plastic easier. Yeah, yeah good point good point <laughs> I feel like when I went to India I became a master at squatting so Ever since then, I've been all right with just doing that. I've got strong thighs for squatting. Oh, that's, that's good. It's nice everyone knows <laughs> <that now>. <laughs> <laughs> Um <laughs> Taking it back to when you first started blogging. Yeah. So seven years ago, that's, yeah, wow, 2011. So I was talking to Flora, uh, Flora oh, yeah. the Explorer yesterday, and we were saying, and we were saying this last year actually at Rotterdam, um, at the Rotterdam Traverse Conference, we were saying we feel like the old bloggers now, like as in the older generation of bloggers. When we started, um, it was so, so different. And But even even when we were having a conversation, Flora remembered things way differently to me, as in we both went to the same conferences. But she was like, yeah, people didn't really know about SEO. And I was like, they definitely did. I think that's what's interesting though everyone comes in from a different angle and everyone has their own story or their own version of the same event it's Mm. like blogging really I mean you don't necessarily need another guide to Barcelona but there's all these different bloggers with all their different views and their different experiences and then if you find the blogger that you like it's their guide to Barcelona that you're going to read so everyone has 
a different version of the same event don't they yeah yeah that's a good point and that's really encouraging actually for any new bloggers because sometimes I do hear people say like it's intimidating isn't it because one thing that you know what I was kind of trying to get to is that when you started how do you think the blogosphere has changed do you feel like it's easier it was easier for those of us starting I don't know pre very very slick websites and pre Squarespace and or do you think it's kind of the same 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 but different Oh, I think it's so different. I've actually uh, written a blog post about this. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> um, we'll link it. Blog. Yeah. Um, just about how different it is and has been in the last seven years. So I think when I started, it was uh, quite normal just to put up your thoughts and feelings and the odd picture. And then you would put it on Facebook and people would read it. And it it didn't. I feel like back then it didn't have the same well definitely didn't look like blogs do now definitely didn't have the incredible photography and some of the videography that people have to go with their blogs it was sort of I guess you could say it was like more more it was purer but um I don't know I think everything's just changed and the internet has changed so much in the last seven years that of course blogging would have I think the quality that we have now especially when you think it's just from an individual is just insane some people's um, like the writing is amazing. It's like a guidebook. And then the photography and the video, it's just all incredible. Whereas mm. seven years ago, you could have like a 500 word blog post with a few pictures. A few crappy was, pictures. Yeah. Yeah. was kind of OK. I mean, I only used my iPhone for pictures for like three years. That's <laughs> so, amazing. Yeah. And like dodgy, dodgy iPhone of days gone by as well. So and it wasn't really it was kind of what everyone was doing. I didn't stand out for being an iPhone person like yeah 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 the quality has just got insane now it's amazing I think I'm thinking about when you were saying that I I had Dave man versus globe in my head because he he has the most incredible travel blog his writing is incredible his photography is amazing like it's all next level and he does it part-time I just how do how do people do that um so I've just been at WTM this week and Steve Hanish, who oh, has yeah. a blog, um, Backpacker Steve, his stuff is just amazing. And he did a talk. And one of my questions I asked him at the end was just how many hours a week does he work? And he said, uh, well, he said four hours a day. So how, do you, how, how do you make all these videos in four hours a day? Yeah, no, I amazing. work a lot more than that. Do you? Yeah, definitely. But- I definitely do like my standard of 40 hours a week, but I'll do it in probably like less less days so I will work from like 8 a.m to midnight a few days and then maybe go off traveling but then that is obviously still work as well yeah yeah I definitely don't need four hours a day and uh, but you're a full-time travel blogger so yeah yeah and, and actually you've led us on into something quite um perfect um firstly I wanted to ask you when did you go full-time because you did work was it it wasn't Flight Centre that you worked for. Who did you work for before you went full-time? Um, so when I started travel blogging, I was working at Hostel Bookers. That was in yeah, 2011. And part of my job was um, trying to get bloggers to write about our hostels, which obviously now is called Influencer Outreach or Blogger Outreach, but we didn't really even have a name then. Um, so that was when I first learned about travel bloggers and wanted to be one because it looked cool. And then... Um, yeah, I continued working there. And then I went to work at gapgear.com, which, yeah, is part of Flight Centre. Um, so I worked there for like a year and a half and then left to pursue this full time. What 
when did you know when did you know it was the right time to go full time well I think really in hindsight like I should have left a few months before it because at the time it felt like I was doing full-time two full-time jobs I was doing so much on my blog and I was getting all these amazing communities that I couldn't do because I had this full-time job but um I was in a relationship and so it was difficult and just wasn't right but then that relationship ended and pretty much as soon as I could I handed in my notice and then left um yeah left full-time work because I knew that I could I kind of knew that I could make it work and I also just wanted to go traveling so I had I had I had savings and so I just thought oh well if I can't make it work then I've got these savings that we were meant to be using to buy a house and so it'll be okay but it was fine and so I still had those savings four years later when I went to buy the house that I have now so it's good that's yeah that's awesome and so yeah of course you um settled down didn't you I hate saying that word actually because yeah it's awful it means yeah there's so many negative connotations to that but you are based in the UK now aren't you as opposed to being a digital nomad yeah I did that whole thing for three three and a half years um and for most of it I loved it but as the blog got bigger and as we were talking about earlier as the quality of content has gone up across the across the travel blogging world it was just taking it takes so much time now to write a blog post and to do the photos and then do videos and to do all the admin as well that I was just spending too much time working and like looking for wi-fi in all these fantastic locations that I wanted to be enjoying myself so I wanted more of a divide like I wanted to either be sat uh, sat in a home that was my home just working or going off traveling so I decided to just move back to England for a bit and I just rented for a bit just to see how I liked it here and if that worked for me and I think I just got like after three and a half years of non-stop traveling it is quite exhausting to try and um, balance everything and like not knowing not knowing where you're going to get wi-fi is quite stressful when you depend on wi-fi for your uh, business so yeah just I decided to just move back for a bit and see if I liked it. And I did. So <laughs> I stayed. <laughs> That's actually a bit of a, a topic that people don't always think about when they think digital nomad and like they're in Bali or wherever. And it's so exciting. You can get up whenever you want, blah, blah, blah. But actually, I don't know, my experience of it, and I was traveling for about three years full time, was exactly that. It was the stress of, is there going to be Wi-Fi? Is the Wi-Fi going to be good enough? And also... Mm. This is re- this is really stupid, but um, if you're in a hot country and you're sat with your laptop all day on a sweaty, <laughs> on like a sweaty bench, plastic bench or whatever in a cafe, yeah. it's just quite miserable. I remember thinking at that point, I just want to be in the cold. Yeah, I, mean, I, could, I totally I agree with that. It's just not as magical as people always think. I don't want to be a big whinge fest, and it's very privileged to be able to say that. But also, when when it's your business, it's completely different, which leads us on quite nicely to talking about press trips. Because you do, as a travel blogger, you do a lot of press trips. I guess that's probably a big bulk of your brand work. Is that well, yeah, fair to during say? the um, yeah, definitely during the three years that I was travelling, I did well. The first year. I didn't do any press trips really because I had kind of spent so all the time that I was working at Hostel Bookers as a content editor and all the time that I was at Gapier.com as a 
content and social media manager, I'd been hearing about all these amazing destinations. I was writing about all these amazing places, but some of them I'd never actually even visited. Mm. So I had this long list of all these places that I wanted to go. So when I was, I had like a, a two month notice period at work. So spent spent quite a bit of time like planning my trip <laughs> and um, probably shouldn't admit that. And, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I had, had all these places that I wanted to go. So I had quite a hectic year long schedule of where I was going and I was booking my flights and it was kind of like a bit of a therapy I guess after the end of a relationship so I yeah that first year was planned out it was everywhere I always wanted to go but during that year I um, got a lot of press requests press opportunities press trip opportunities and so the next year I basically hopped press trip to press trip with whatever made sense in between And it was amazing because getting invited to all these incredible destinations after sort of as well after backpacking the year before. Now I was staying in amazing hotels in amazing places with other inspirational bloggers and photographers. And so I love doing it. But then again, it relates back to um, what we were saying about the quality of travel blogging going up. So you go on a press trip and you get invited on a press trip. And to some, it might seem like a free holiday. And a lot of my friends just think it's a free holiday, but it's really not. Because if you're invited on a press trip and you're not being paid, there's obviously an understanding that you're going to take the photos, put it on your five or whatever it is, social media channels, uh, make the video and everything. And so you can go on a press trip, but then you could spend the next week or even two weeks writing about that press trip and when you're on the press trip there are so many live things now especially with well back then it was the introduction of snapchat but now obviously it's instagram stories and so there's so many live ways to show off the press trip that you do want to do and i love sharing my trips i mean that's what travel blogging is but also it it does take away from it, it changes the trip like a, yeah it just changes the way that you have a holiday so recently i went to um greece with my family and like barely looked at my phone and it was just so nice and I was like this is what a holiday is I think sometimes as a travel blogger you can forget and it is exciting doing everything but I think with a press trip there's a certain expectation of you and it's just not a free holiday yeah. what was the question <laughs> I feel like I just yeah rambled. no 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 it's brilliant um it was literally just about um it was quite an open question just that you yeah your experience of press trips and starting them quite early on into your travel blogging career so from a practical point of view when you said people were coming to you was that because you'd already grown your kind of presence or was it a case of because you'd been in the industry before they knew who you were um because I I often think it's a lot about who you know and not in a you have to be not in a kind of nepotism sort of way but when you start going to those travel blogging events and and they they meet you and know that you're nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really how it works. I mean, that's certainly how it worked for me. Yeah, definitely. Because I think like when I started travel blogging, I went to a meetup in London. I was so nervous. I was so nervous to meet people as well because I'd kind of like been studying travel bloggers for six months at work. So they're a bit like celebrities to me. And then I went to this, um, yeah, I went to a meetup in London and it just so happened to be the first meetup of there's like maybe five other bloggers, other travel bloggers there. And we just got on really well. So um, we got a lot of advice off each other and then also recommended each other for trips when they would come up if people were looking for other bloggers that were good. So we kind of helped each other. 
and also when you start going on press trips other companies and other PR companies see that you've been selected to go on the press trip and then they might see what what work you've done see what the follow-up is and then you'll get invited on more press trips and then all of a sudden you've kind of got this whole network of people that think you're a good person to invite on a press trip and so you'll get invited on more and more and more and then you'll get on like their books and yeah and so I think once you've once you've gone on like maybe two or three press trips then you'll just get invited on more and more if you've done a good job obviously so that that's really interesting because you've touched on a couple of points there so in terms of so like in a positive if you're a nice person you're professional and you do your job well it's really about getting your foot in the door and then thereafter it's not necessarily about growing your traffic to xyz it's more about proving that you can create content and do good follow-up from a press trip because actually sometimes I remember Sabina saying this to me once she um that companies will value things that you don't even realize such as yeah taking a good picture writing a really good guide to their destination that is valuable in and of itself yeah but then on the flip side one of the things that I've seen from working on that the other side of things and organizing press trips or or certainly selecting bloggers for them is that sometimes um it's about yeah it's about who you know and getting on people's books and then often that means that maybe someone not so good is kind of hopping around and doing lots of like doing the rounds as it as it were if you know what I mean just because they've done others yeah I think you won't last though because I think like the travel blogging industry is very small the um, travel PR industry is very small as well and people talk and I have heard some horrible stories from PRs about uh, bloggers on press trips so you know they talk to each other and they obviously they've obviously got their bosses to please and they've got their targets to make and if they're if they need bloggers that are going to help them reach their targets so if you're a bit of an idiot or don't follow up or you're not a nice person to even hang around with for four days then you're not going to be invited on many more press trips I think I I think that's true yeah I think that's true but I I have seen I have seen people be a bit of a douchebag and then still manage to because <laughs> I've heard those stories too and and sometimes those people are still working a few years later but I guess you, but you are right like it's few and far between isn't it and I guess you can't hit all of those things you can't be a dick have like not do any follow-up and then also have like crappy stats you kind of yeah you can't be all three of those and then still be able to work <laughs> yeah and there'll be some people as well that have basically just turned into divas because they've been allowed to and they're still doing well and then obviously if there's a return on investment in the end like if they're a bit of an idiot on the press trip but then they get a million readers to their blog then the company will probably think it's all right and forgive them for being a bit of an idiot on the press trip I don't know I think I think it's just a um like it's a lot of things that come together to make someone want to invite you on a press trip yeah but I suppose yeah on on the positive side of things for any new travel bloggers I think it's really really positive to think you don't you don't have to reach some vanity metric um because there's a lot of advice out there about oh you have to hit and I heard that when I first started travel blogging like don't even think about going on a press trip until you've hit this 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 and I think a lot of that is about people just feeling a bit um threatened I don't think it's about that I think if you're professional and actually the episode with um 
Paul and Michael, they said the exact same thing. Um, there seemed to be a lot of talk at um, WTM, the World Travel Market that I've just been to, um, about like working with um, bloggers and influencers that don't necessarily have the biggest audience, but they've got a good engagement and maybe, as we were saying earlier, like a bit of a niche as well. Um, I went on a press trip last week and I was talking a lot to the PR about um, yeah who they select to go on press trips. And they were saying that it's definitely not about numbers. It's all about having a strong voice and engagement. And so you can have that with just a few followers, mm. I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and yeah, for, for me on my Instagram, I feel like that I can I can see... Anyway, I'm going to cut that bit out because that's completely pointless. <laughs> I was just going to talk about Instagram, then I was like, I don't want to talk about Instagram. I hate about... <laughs> Oh, let's talk about that, though. You hate it. Oh, no. <laughs> if you don't want to talk about it. I don't mind, but I just hate it. I like Instagram stories, though. I think this is a... Yeah, but it's a, re... it's a really good topic of conversation because... Um... So, okay, let me on. go back into it. As a travel blogger or just as a blogger, as an influencer, I think nowadays people, it's, it kind of comes back to the rules, doesn't it? But all the, the stupid rules that no one should really believe is that you should be on Instagram. And um, yeah, you're, you're, like Instagram is not a big thing for you, is it? Not that it, you, know, you don't have a nice Instagram or have a lot of followers, but it's not your focus. No, I don't really like Instagram. And it really upsets me how it has changed people and travel and um yeah I just I just really don't like Instagram at the weekend I was waiting for my friend outside Topshop on Oxford Street and I I was watching people do that kind of iconic photo that I've seen a lot of travel Instagrammers do where you stand on that little bit of road do you know the one I mean yeah stand on the little bit of road it's like the little bit passing road but anyway I saw these girls standing on there and there was just so many people doing it and taking or just oh, just, it's just so fake. Mm. That's what I hate. Like, but I also think when people slag off Instagram, you're probably not following the right people on Instagram because you don't have to follow those accounts. So. Yeah, definitely. I don't follow any of those accounts. And actually, this is no, great. Yeah, don't, 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 don't unfollow. Yeah, totally unfollow. Whenever I have a I hate Instagram moment, I realise it's because I'm following people that piss me off. And yes. I just, yeah, like just, just follow. Just unfollow. <laughs> I was talking to Anna, um, who is Arden Wanderess, about how she used, she really hated, oh no, she didn't hate Instagram, but she was really part of that um, kind of proliferation of fakeness in a way, because she was using bots to grow her travel blogging account, and then she talked about it, and she was like, oh, I was just over it, but she was talking about a press trip that she went on to Budapest, and she was really, she had a really, really good time. Um, really enjoyed it was with a couple of her friends but she was really upset because um it was really gray and her feed was really colorful and Um, yeah and she was like none of these pictures are going to fit in with my feed yeah and that was kind of a moment when she was like this is bullshit I don't want to do this anymore I think some people get a lot of pleasure out of it but say like I'm in a few groups with other bloggers on various platforms and people just get so upset about their Instagram and whether they're losing followers or whether they're getting the same amount of likes and all this and I'm just I don't know because I I totally know what they mean I mean I know what they mean I know for a fact that I've been looked over for work because I have I think it's 
um, 6,500 followers on Instagram, which is less than a lot of people. But I know that a lot of people have that whole um, point of 10,000. Yeah, for the swipe. And one of my friends... Yeah, one of my friends who lived in... Oh, yeah, so there's that. I want to have that. But there's one of my friends who lives in Australia, and she said, you don't get invited to events unless you've got 10,000. As a travel blogger, you don't get invited to events unless you've got 10,000. And I don't know. It just it annoys me because it's obviously hard, but it's kind of hard in a really tedious way yeah. to, to grow, and I just can't <laughs> do it. I'd rather write a blog. I'm more of a writer. Yeah. I'm, a tra- I'm a trained journalist, so I'm more of a writer than a... I don't know. I don't know what it takes to win on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us do. I, I yeah, think... I don't have it, whatever it is. <laughs> no, I don't either. I think, but I do really like Instagram stories, and mm. so I would love to get rid of Instagram. But I really like Instagram stories. I like following people. I like doing my own. I like. I just like the um, instant side of it, and the fact that most people's aren't like all crafted. It's just a glimpse into what you're doing that day. I do really like stories. Yeah, I like stories too. I like. I like stories for myself like kind of making stuff with stories and also really really love following people and funnily enough I don't really look at people's look at my kind of feed anymore I tend to just follow people on their stories no neither do I I get kind of what I've noticed I get sort of like 600 views on a story so that's 10% of my (sighs) following but then I'll get like 100 likes on my feed I think just I think just people don't look at the feed yeah I don't because it's just but I think also it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy with Instagram because you don't enjoy it. You're not you're not like sat there kind of looking at other people's posts and liking and commenting. So then no, and, that's what you have to do, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. And it and it only really works in an authentic way if you are if you genuinely like other people's photos and gen, genuinely comment. I mean, obviously, no, that's not completely correct because you can use bots and grow your following that way. Um, but what I mean by it only really works is <laughs> it only really works for your mental health if you actually genuinely enjoy liking other people's photos and commenting on them. Otherwise, yeah. you'd just go mad, wouldn't you? Yeah, I just feel like it hasn't had a positive mental effect on anyone I know. <laughs> Instagram. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But I had, it's there and everyone uses it, so... But the good thing is that you, it's really cool that you know what you kind of what your limits are. Like you're not you're not about to spend hours every day growing your Instagram just so that you can hit a vanity metric. Yeah, I tried to do it a few times and it just don't know. I just feel like they were wasted hours. I'd rather go and travel or yeah, write a blog post or make a video. It's just it's just not me doing the Instagram feed. Do what? Do you create video content? You do, don't you? Yes, I have done and I enjoy it, but it's just another thing that's really time consuming. Mm. So it's something that I want to focus on more next year. But um, for now, I do the odd video here and there. Because I remember Monica talking about it. I can't remember when it might have been on the first episode, the first series. Anyway, she was talking about video content or it might be in the blog, of course. I can't remember, but she was saying about outsourcing video content. And I think she might have done that previously. I don't know if she still does, but... um, I think it's how do you feel about outsourcing the stuff that you really want to get into but yeah like it's it's time consuming you could definitely earn more money in the time that you edit you know that it's edit I do do really like the editing bit though I do (laughs) do like that yeah I like putting it all together and then 
knowing that I've done it. I've I've never outsourced video, but I mean, I do think that outsourcing anything is a good idea if you can find the right person. But it's difficult to find the right person. Um, right now, it's not for me. But I think if I did it more, I think the key with all of this, with blogging, video, Instagram, whatever, is consistency. And I think that's why my blog has done well, because I'm always, well, not always, but like I do about three three blog posts a week, um, every week. But then with video, I'll do like a video and then it'll be six or seven weeks until I do another one. And then on Instagram, I forget about it for a week. And so the platform doesn't like you, does it, if it if you're not consistent? So I, th- I want to make like a proper schedule for next year of making videos. How do you um, maintain the three posts a week? Because that is a lot. And your posts aren't like short little listicles. No. No, I should probably cut it down so that I can focus on the other things that I've been talking <laughs> yeah, about. Maybe. It's, just, it's just the part of blogging that I really enjoy is the actual blogging and the actual writing. It's what I've enjoyed from the start. And yeah, when I was younger, I really wanted to be a journalist. So this is kind of my, this is me being a journalist in the, in 2018. Yeah, I love that. And probably making way more money than most journalists. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> But how do you do that? How do you keep consistency and produce three blog posts a week? Um, I think, I don't know. Do you do plan it? I think just, yeah, I have so many blog posts that I want to write. Like I have a whole spreadsheet of all these blog posts that I want to write, but I just don't have time to do it. I have so many ideas. I, ideas isn't really a problem. I think because I travelled so much, obviously. And um, yeah, I do plan it out what I want to do it's always changing but I have a rough plan of what I want to post every week and then with obviously because I write about festivals and events quite a bit it's good to have an idea of when you're gonna post things to hit peak time for the search and also um with oh I forgot what I was gonna ask sorry carry on (laughs) um I don't know what was I saying you were saying about how you manage to produce three blog posts every week because you've got a lot of ideas that's not really an issue for you it's more that you have Mm. more ideas than time yeah basically but how do you I find this really difficult personally I have a lot of ideas but sitting down to write the post I think sometimes I find it I think maybe I don't know maybe because journalism is now my main kind of source of income sometimes I'm like written out when I come to write a blog post oh yeah I I know what you mean by that so often I will just kind of write everything that I want to write on the page like if I'm not necessarily in the mood for writing and then I'll just put everything on the page and then try and come back to it either later or tomorrow or the next day to do it but I often use time as well or like I bribe myself so I just say to myself right write everything you can for 15 minutes and then you can have a cup of tea oh that's such a good idea I love that and then you can do a lot in 15 minutes if you don't get distracted and you're just like just writing writing I think that's your journalist background though oh I (laughs) think well it might not be but I think I think that might be your journalist background because Monica is the same and when she talks about like typewriting just get it down and then come back and edit it yeah I think maybe because when I worked at Hostel Bookers, I, there was high expectations for me to write a lot every day. So I maybe that was good good training for me. And yeah, I wrote a lot of blog posts there every day. And yeah, I guess I guess that's just that's just been good. Just 
just write it down and then come back and edit it later and then you'll be amazed at what you can achieve I think that's a really good tip and the perfect point to end the podcast on so thank you very much for being a part of the podcast first of all no worries where can everybody find you online uh, so my blog is vickyflipfloptravels.com and then all the social media just at vickyflipflop and you especially love Instagram, so definitely go over to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't follow me on Instagram so I can get to 10,000 and then I can yeah. stop. <laughs> well, if you're doing that, then please follow me because I'm further behind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. And you can find me at Lucy Lucraft everywhere. But I mostly hang out on Instagram. You can find old episodes of What She Said over at lucyloopcraft.com where you'll also find me chatting about all things blogging, travel, vegan life and zero waste living too. Lastly, I know everybody asks this and it's a total pain in the ass, but please think about leaving the show a rating and review. It makes a huge difference to getting the show out to new listeners and for every review you leave, I'll donate £2 to charity. So that's £1 for you and £1 from me. The chosen charity changes each month, so listen out for it in the intro each week. Thanks for listening.